Well, hello there, and welcome to this Calvary Longview audio message. We're so glad you've chosen to take a moment to discover with us the truth that can be found in the Bible, and we pray that you'll be blessed by what you hear. Today, Pastor Al is going to be sharing with us a message from Paul's first letter to Timothy. We can't wait to get into God's Word, so crack open your Bible, grab your note-taking tools, and we'll get started. Verses 18 through 20, and if you're there, let's stand together. We're going to read these this whole passage here. People would wonder, why do you stand? I remember in the days of Nehemiah chapter 8, when the Word of God, they were given respect to the Word of God, honor the Word of God, and it says the people stood for the quarter of the day. I won't make you stand that long, but I think it's just in reverence to God's Word. Amen? The first Timothy, Paul's writing in verse 18, he says, This charge I commit to you, son Timothy, according to the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you may wage the good warfare, having faith in a good conscience, which some, having rejected concerning the shipwreck, have suffered, or excuse, concerning the faith, have suffered shipwreck, of whom are Hymenaeus and Alexander, whom I delivered, whom I delivered to Satan, that they may not learn to blaspheme. Lord, may none of our names be Hymenaeus or Alexander this morning. May they be written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Everyone here and everyone watching online, and may you be glorified. Just speak clearly to our hearts and our children. And uh, Lord, bless them, we pray for your glory. And we thank you so much in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Now, um, for those of you just joining with us, we've been studying through First Timothy. On Wednesday nights, we're going through Jeremiah. And the, the title of the message, you think of the passage, it just is so encapsulated in this fighting the good fight. Fighting the good fight. You know, it, it seemed like, uh, anybody ever not been in a battle? <laughs> all right, we're all there. So Timothy is here, he's this young pastor at, at Ephesus. Remember, Paul has him there. And he has a huge responsibility before him. I mean, there's no doubt about it. He has this, this uh, great responsibilities. He's a stamp out false doctrine. You, you know, Paul told him last week or two weeks ago, we saw him, you stick to the code. You teach no other doctrine. Make sure that's going on in the church. So important, right? And then he said, uh, there's yet another responsibility that he's going to bring out here. And I think somebody once said, through the commands of First and Second Timothy, there are some 70, over 70 commands in there. He may not use the word, but all leaped on one another. Hey, do this, do this. Make sure this is happening. We have the most precious thing. We're sitting in the most gifted, blessed opportunity. It's called the church of God, right? It's with the assembly of the brethren. And so, you know, here Timothy, um, part of this good fight he's, he's going to have to deal with this is uh, leading the troops. And he's younger than a lot of people he's, that are there, especially if you're thinking of like Paul, who's maybe in his 60s, and Timothy, maybe early 30s. But it may, you know, when you're leading the troops, sometimes it's not the most popular thing to do. When you read through Exodus and you see the children of Israel, you kind of get a good picture of that. And it might not be the most favorable thing to do. People may not want to go in a direction of what the Word is telling them, and I pray that it's the Word that we're sticking to and the Word that Timothy obviously is required to stick to. And he's fighting a good fight. But as he's doing that, he's supposed to have good qualities about him. Notice I said good fight, and I'll get to that, hopefully, if I don't space out on it. You know, what fight is good? Well, it's also true that as a body of Christ comes together, whether it was Ephesus 
2,000 years ago, or Calvary Chapel Longview, or any church around, when God is doing a work, the enemy all, all oftentimes, I'll say always, but oftentimes wants to stir the pot. And he wants to stir the pot against us and whatever God has asked us to do as a church. That's why Timothy, again, is in this position. And leaders like Timothy, they're to battle the battle. They're, they're there battling the battle to keep the church safe and keeping it headed in the right direction. So they have a great responsibility. And I'll say this, just like Timothy, leaders aren't perfect. I don't want to hear a bunch of amens, but it's true, isn't it? <laughs> the first amen I've heard in three weeks out of you guys. <laughs> But it's so true. Leaders aren't perfect, right? We were just trying to do the best we can, and we're in a battle. There's battles all over. And you think the only battle that you're going through, then multiply that by 300 or 400. So you have these things in our text that Timothy, or Paul, is telling Timothy, the first thing he brings him, he's going to command Timothy once again to fight the good fight, but he's going to, um, you know, you're not to run from this fight. You're not to run from it. You're not to resort to carnal weapons, Timothy. You've got to stay there. You've got to stay the course. Remember what Paul said in the first part of his letter in chapter 1. He said, Timothy, you're to remain in Ephesus. Like, I'm looking to get out. He said, no, I want you to remain in Ephesus. And fighting that good fight, you're, you're not to run. You're not to you know, use these carnal weapons, but you're to fight that fight. And you're going to understand how you're going to fight that fight. And then keep in mind, as I mentioned... The reason why all these commands are given is because in the third chapter, and we'll get to this coming up shortly, but if you even turn there, if it's not on the screen, Paul writes it to Timothy telling him why he's writing this. He says, I write, in chapter 3, verse 15, I write so that you may know how you ought to conduct yourselves in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and the ground of truth. So he's telling the church, he's as they're reading this letter, listen, you've got to instruct these people so that they might know how to conduct themselves. I mean, right? There's, God is a God of order. And he wants order. He wants us to hear what his mind is on the whole thing. I, I mean, Jesus is the one who died for us, amen? And so he has his bride. He's saying, well, you're there. Take care of my bride in this fashion. Right? Whenever I'm babysitting my grandkids, I'm supposed to take care of them in their fashion, in, in the fashion of my, my, their parents, until the door closes. <laughs> and then it gets sugared up. I'm just kidding. But, but not, when, it, when it comes to the church, when it comes to the house of God, when it comes to how you know, you, you know, he writes so that we might know how to, where to act. How we're to act. How to conduct ourselves and behave ourselves. And then, he, you know, it's the same thing. This is the church of the living God. It's not some dead place you go to and you clock in, you sit on a bar stool and order up, Hank, Hank, what do you want? And if there's somebody in Hank, I'm just throwing out a name. You know, you know, order up. Well, same thing. How was your life yesterday? Same thing. You know, it's all the same thing. Look, a church of the living God. It's not dead. It's alive. And we have life. So he's saying this is pumping life. It's his living life. You have to know how you're to conduct yourselves. And you think about the church that there's a way that we're to behave, the way that we're to conduct our lives, we're to be the pillar and the ground for truth. Then it speaks of architectural. It speaks of much to Timothy at Ephesus. In Ephesus, they had the, the temple Diana. Everybody knew about the you know architectural. They go, wow, look at the great temple of Diana. 127 pillars laid throughout the whole thing. It was just foundation was magnificent. So when he's talking about this is what the church is. Diana can't save you. Artemis can't, you know, all these fake gods, they can't save you. All these wooden things that, that uh, you know, you make with your hands, they can't save you. But we are the church of the living God. If anybody needs to be saved, God can help. Jesus Christ can help. And he's the answer. 
And so we're that pillar of truth and we're to remain that pillar of truth. And here Paul goes, um, he goes back to telling Timothy what he was telling him earlier. He took a little segue out talking about the grace of God last week in verses 12 through 17. And then he comes to this place again to where he's back on target telling Timothy, look, it's important. Remember what he said in the third verse of the first chapter? He said, and I urge you, as I urge you when I went to Macedonia, remain in Ephesus that you may charge some that they may teach no other doctrine. So Paul's back on that. He's got his, he's got his sight set in on young Timothy and on the church. But understand as these things go, these things go on, as you're to teach and you're to stick to the code, you're to stick to the Bible, you're to be uh, very clear about it, that oftentimes that we think that, well, everything is going well, it should be going well. Well, then we forget because in the second letter, Paul wrote to Timothy and he says, you therefore must endure hardships as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. And that's like every one of us. We're going to go through times of hardships, times of difficulties. Here's Timothy. And he's not to run from it. You got to still get straight in the face and you got to deal with it. And, you know, so, so, you know, we're, we must endure hardships. That's just a way of life. Jesus said that in this world you will find troubles, right? But he said to look to him because behold, you know, be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. And so he's, we're, we're to look to him at all times and the hardships the hardships out there, times of difficulties and trials, they shouldn't surprise us. It's not, it's not uh, if, it's when. So it's, they shouldn't surprise us, but it's not, it's not going through them, but it's how we go through them. How you and I will conduct ourselves in the midst of the battle or in the midst of the fight makes it a good fight or a bad fight. You know what? And sometimes we make them harder ships. <laughs> You know, because of, you know, because of the way that we, we take, you know, flight on these things. I mean, it's the way that we handle these things. We take a hardship into a hardship. And some aren't even fights, but at times we surely make a battle out of them, don't we? See, the battles come from the outside, but there's also battles from the inside. But so it is important to remember, no matter where the battle comes from, that Paul wrote to the church of Ephesus and he said, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood but against principalities and powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, and against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. And so Paul was reminding the church at Ephesus back then that he says, you know, there's going to be battles, but don't look at one another as a battle. Oftentimes we allow things to creep up or things will come into our life, things will come into play. We're not the battle against one another. The battle is with things that you haven't seen. Forces that you haven't seen. And the midst of the battle, when somebody is looking to cause body, cause harm to the body, like this Hymenius and Alexander here in our text, um, keep, it's important that, always important to keep in mind that restoration is always the goal. It's always the goal. That when people will come to this place of repentance and they're broken over their sin, that uh, you go back to 1 Corinthians 5 and you'll see that that guy who was sleeping with his, his uh, stepmother, <laughs> church was allowing him to get away with that. And then in chapter 5, or uh, 1 Corinthians, Paul said, you know what, you need, to, you need to get kick one out of the church. And then he comes and he repents. And, and you never know the guy's name. And in 1 Corinthians, or 2 Corinthians 1, the guy's repentant. And Paul says, receive such a one. So that's always a goal. So starting off here, we see in the first thing in verse 18, Paul again charges Timothy. This is a charge. 
is a charge against that soldier. It's that soldier in battle from his superior. He's receiving an order from his superior, and he's saying, you know what, these things you need to take, and you need to deal with them. They're so important. And we have many military or former military members in our room right here in the sanctuary. And you guys fully understand what it is to follow orders. And then, you know what, though some today, they don't like being told what to do. You know what it's like to follow orders. You know what, what it's like when a commanding officer walks in a room and he tells you to go left 450 yards or whatever, you're going to go left 450 yards. That's what we're called to do. We're called to be obedient. We're called to listen to our commanding officer. And so there have been some issues that came up in the church of Ephesus and Timothy was to fight the good fight as Paul is charging him to do. And because of the issues at hand, Paul was uh, using this strong urging again. Timothy, you stay the course. Timothy, you don't move. You don't run. But I'm going to, I charge, I commit this charge to you, Timothy. And then when, another thing that's so important that he tells Timothy is you remember God's calling. Remember God's calling. Look at, look at verse 18. Because he says, when the enemy strikes, remember the word of prophecy that was given to you. Verse 18, he says, This command I commit to you, son Timothy, according to the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you may wage the good warfare. That's a good warfare. That's the second thing he brings up. You see, man didn't place Timothy in this position. He wasn't voted on. God did. God gave Timothy the call upon his life that put him in the position. So important to remember, is it not? I mean, if people voted you in to an office, you say, if you, we voted in pastors around here, and you're thinking, okay, uh, the first time the battle comes, he goes, I don't know what you guys were thinking, but I ain't the man for this job. <laughs> right? Because it's, what is God? God if God placed you there, you're going to stick through it. You're not a hireling. And he says, you know, in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 14, it says, do not ne- neglect the gift that is within you, that's in you, which was given to you by prophecy with the laying on of hands of the eldership, meditate on these things, give yourself entirely to them that you may progress, that your progress may be evident to all. So Timothy was to remember, listen, God called you to this. It's not something that you signed up for. It's not something that people voted you in for. You know, God called you to, God has a specific calling upon your life and you need to live up to it. And you need to have no doubt that God has spoken to you. Remember that, Timothy? I mean, yeah, (laughs) remember And Paul wanted him to remember these words. It is so important. When God has spoken, God told the prophet Habakkuk, he said, listen, I want you to write it down. Write it down. When God speaks to you, I encourage you, write it down so that when you leave here, you're like, well, it was kind of like this. And the enemy will say, the enemy will meet you right at the front door and he'll say, hey, he wasn't really saying that. He was kind of saying this. You're like, oh yeah, maybe he wasn't saying, he was saying this. But if you have it written down, it's like, "Uh uh-uh. I was there. I seen it. This is what he said. This is what the Lord said. And so, you know, he wants you to remember, Paul wanted Timothy to remember every word that God had given to him, that he was called into the ministry. So important. How many of you have been in battles that you've been called by God into a relationship with him and you've been in battles like, oh, no, I'm not. No, man, I can't be saved. God doesn't love me like he loves that other person. But that's a lie from the enemy because God is not a perspective of persons. And God died for the sins of the world, that whoever calls upon him shall be saved. You see, for the very purpose that when the enemy begins to whisper in your ear, hey, Timothy, I think it's time to run, or when a battle gets difficult and you want to quit, 
And when the, when the people gang up against you, just remember that the word that God has already given to you, he's going to see you through it. I mean, that's what he's, as he's told to do. I remember the day, not the day, I remember the time where I was and everything about being called, God calling me in the pastorate. I remember without a shadow of a doubt. I remember the Lord giving me a word when it was to come to the Northwest from San Diego. It had to have been the Lord to jar me out of there. <laughs> I remember him that he gave me the calling to Longview and he gave me a word to start a church in Longview. I remember that without a doubt. I remember that he's um, showed us into this building. I'll never forget that. I'll never forget the words that I have. They're still stamped in my Bible. And I stand upon his word because if I didn't, I would have been gone a long time ago. That's the way it is for any, any one of us though. See, when, when God speaks, we have to have confidence in his word. Confidence that he's spoken. And that's growing in our faith, right? This is the same thing that Timothy's supposed to do. It just doesn't work for the pastor. Well, pastor, good luck on seeking God out for your life, you know. No, no, no. It's for every one of us that we're going to grow in these things of the Lord. We're going to have confidence like Timothy here that, remember what God has spoke to you about? And there are so many things maybe in our lives, and just in the people in this room or those watching online, that where they're like, yeah, I know God has spoken to me. And now you're starting to recollect that. Oh yeah, he's spoken to me. He's given you a word, but it's kind of been put off in the distance. It's not the way it's supposed to be. We're to live that thing out. You see, it doesn't always have to be easy or it doesn't have to, we don't have to know everything that's going on, but we're to have confidence in what God has asked of us to do. And it's all too important, especially when, when uh, young men feel called into the ministry or old men, they feel called into the ministry that you hear from the Lord because the enemy's going to attack. And you're going to have to have something to fall back on. And it's, it can't be anything that I've told you or somebody's told you or somebody, you know, it's got to be the word of the Lord that he's called you, that you can go back every time and saying, you know what? Don't take it up with me, devil. Take it up with the Lord because he's the one who's called me. And so remember this, when we go on mission trips too, we often ask people, just even a mission trip, that would you seek the face of God? Would you get confirmation that you're to go? And the reason we do that is because uh, when the enemy meets them on the mission trip, and he will. Anybody ever been on a mission trip? <laughs> Anybody ever meet the devil on a mission trip? Been <laughs> kind of crazy. But then we say, yeah, but God called you to this, remember? He didn't say it would be easy, but he's given you a word. So they write in their journal, yeah, uh, God has called me, give me a verse. And then when the, the enemy meets him on a mission trip or on a mission field, he's like, man, the devil strikes. You have God's promise to rely upon. God knew you were going to go through that. Just call upon him. You see, gang, we can either trust in the Lord or we can trust in ourselves. We can trust in what God says or we can try and, you know, gain some strength somewhere, somehow, especially when the battle gets tough. You see, we often run into th things when it comes to whether it's, you know, marriages or comes to responsibilities. There are times that we find ourselves running from instead of to the Lord. I mean, I, I, there's not a, a person that I haven't uh, premarital counsel with that say, they're just Twitter-pated. <laughs> you sit them down, and I, I like looking at them and looking across the room. I got to look over here because I don't want to look at nobody out there. And I... <laughs> And I just sit in the I sit in the in the office with people, you know, they're Twitter people, you're like, oh, we're gonna give her yeah, well, do you know that the enemy's gonna attack? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, he's gonna try and eat your life. Oh, that's okay, that's okay, that's okay. And about six months later, like boom, 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 boom you know. <laughs> we're having a Twitter paint gave way. No, I'm just kidding. But but there's attacks there. And we gotta stand on the word of God. 
He's called us to this, whatever it is. He's called us to this place. Now, I'm not going to try and get out of it. Maybe I've made a decision that um, is biblically right, but it's not where I, maybe I, I, I'm thinking, well, maybe it should have been something else, but, but I'm going to stick to what God tells me until, I, until he gives me a, another order, you know, until he gives me more orders. See, if the church is going to be a force in this world the way we're called to, we need to stop running, start listening, and start obeying. We've got to stand up. We've got to stand up and be people that are going to live under the authority of God's word. We're going to stand up and be a people that are going to say, well, this truncates anything in my heart. The word of God needs to have superiority. You see, Timothy's battle here was a lot of times with false teachers. Your battle may be something else. Your battle, like Timothy, stand up, Timothy, and take charge. And your battle may be something else, but we, we have to rely on the promises of God. Timothy was given a word by the Lord. And Paul, Paul was encouraging him, remember that word, remember what God has said, and he, he said it to you, you, there's no doubt. And you know what? Don't quench the Holy Spirit. You fight the good fight according to the commands that God has given to you. It's so incredible. See, the expectations for Timothy at his commissions were prophetic. They were from the Lord. And he was to remember them because they were from the Lord. And he was to remember them because the battles would be so difficult. Life isn't easy, is it? I don't know about you. Life isn't easy. It's not just ministry that can be a, uh, you know, hard and difficult at times. It's life itself because life itself is ministry. And so there, there are plenty of times that I know when the devil has um, spoken to me. I know it. You should just quit. You should just run. You should just get out of here. You should just stop. You should. And I have to tell him, it's like I said, I say, you know, you got to take it up with God because the one who commissioned and called me is the one who can release me. And you're not releasing me. So I'm not playing into the hands of the enemy. I'm not going to play into anything. And we're going to go through whatever we go through at any time and say, Lord, you're working. I may not see it. It's like that song that we sang. I truly believe it. But he's still working. So I tell, I tell Satan that. I don't know if you have conversations with the devil. He has conversations with me, so i got to answer him something. So it matters not what battle you're in. It matters how you're fighting the battle. How you're fighting the battle. Every one of us has warfare. If you're a believer here this morning, you have warfare. There's a couple of good examples I, I, I'm going to give to you that are going to help you make it good warfare instead of bad warfare. But if you're here this morning, you don't have a relationship with Jesus, my head just spins. Why would you want to go through battles without Christ? The first battle is you're struggling with is how am I going to get rid of this guilt and shame and sin? And God wants to free you of those things. He wants to set you free. So look at, look at here, as everybody goes through his battles, weapons that make this warfare good. In verse 19, he says, having faith in a good conscience. So how do we fight the good battle? Well, why do we call it a good battle? Uh, what do we call it, the good fight, or what turns a fight into a good fight? A good fight is one that I always win. I mean, really, not, not physically. It's good too, physically, I guess. But spiritually, a good fight is one you win. And here's how he's going to tell you how to win this stuff. By holding on to faith and a good conscience. Faith. See, faith is the first essential that Paul tells Timothy to grab onto. It's not faith in faith itself. It's faith in trusting God. It's faith that I'm going to go to God because he has all the answers. I'm going to go to the Lord. I'm saying, you know what, Lord? I don't know what's going on here. I don't know what's going on in that situation, but I'm going to have this secure grasp on faith. Again, not faith and faith, 
but faith in Christ that He is before me. That He's going to, you know, I have His Word. He's going to give me the answers when He sees fit, but He hasn't left me, He hasn't forsaken me, and I'm going to walk this thing out of faith. If it's not faith, it's probably emotions. And when we go out in emotions, ay, yay, 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 it's a mess, is it not? Why do we want to be a part of an emotional bliss when, when we can have faith in God and trust in God? It gives us much more peace. You see, without faith, we'll be open game for the enemy. And Satan knows when we're prone to take things into, your, into our own hands. And that's when he seems to strike the hardest, is when he knows. I, I don't know if you know this, but Satan knows you pretty good. In Job chapter 1, he said he studied him. Job, Satan went before God in heaven. He says, I'll take that one over there. He goes, you considered my servant Job? That's a tactical word. Have you considered? It means have you studied him? You know him. And that for you and I, understand this, that Satan knows you. He knows your weakness. He knows me. He knows my weaknesses, right? And, uh, and, and he wants us to have faith in God. God wants us to have faith in him that we'll just trust in him. And whether it's the days of Timothy or it's faith for you and I, it's, uh, it's so important that we're trusting God. You know, again, Paul was telling Timothy, you didn't dream up this position. You're going to have faith. You're going to trust in the Lord. You got to trust in him. Paul told Timothy earlier in chapter or verse 5 of this chapter, you can look there, it says, Now concerning the commandment, uh, now the purpose of the commandment is love and of a pure heart, from a good conscience and from sincere faith. That's non-hypocritical. You know, isn't it true that, I don't see a sign of hands, but isn't it true that we have, well, I'm trusting the Lord on the outside. Sincere faith is without wax. That's what it means. Non-hypocritical, without wax. Remember I told the story about they, the, those guys who would groom the bust and they put it in the garden, but the nose fell off. So he mixed wax with sand, put the nose back on the bust, and they like, oh, it's beautiful until the sun gets it and it melts the nose and the, the wax and it falls off. It doesn't look too good. That was with wax. And so we're to understand that genuine faith won't melt under these fiery trials. We're to have faith in God. We're to trust in God. Not trust in, oh, well, he's just got it. But I'm going to build this relationship with him. As I go through the things that I'm going through, I'm going to trust God. I'm just going to get in his word. I'm going to get alone in my prayer closet. God, what do you have for me? See, that's non-hypocritical faith. And they say, well, my faith isn't very strong, pastor. Well, listen, go to the gym. Go to the gym. The gym is the Bible because it says when faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You need to grow that faith. You need to trust in the Lord. If you have a dusty Bible, you probably have dusty faith. And it's sad, but all too true, that we'll cry out to God for that time when the first, you know, when we're in need of God, help me, help me, help me. In the first clearing of the storm, we usually set sail from our master. We're prone to wander. But when you and I, what we know about God is everything. What we know, how we're reading, how we're growing in our relationship with the Lord. Because how we know about Him or what we know about Him is going to determine how we live our lives. And how we'll fight the battles. See, the good fight needs both faith and conscience. And good conscience meant the world to Paul. Paul could stand before people and he would say, they would accuse him of things he said not true. Not because he said it was true, because he said, you don't judge me, I don't judge myself. But he was so open with the people and with himself. He says, he who judges me is the Lord. And so what is a good conscience? Well, good conscience is knowing the truth and living by it. 
You know, you get guys that know and gals that know what they should do and they just kind of flip it off. That's not good conscience. Or you go into a restaurant and you, you know, you've got to sit down and order and before you order, you got to look around the corner and see who's there. That's not a good conscience. It's by having a cell phone or a laptop and you know it needs to be repaired, but you're afraid to take it in because something's on there. You shouldn't know. That's not a good conscience. You see, we got to be able to stand up and knowing not only that what we're saying, not only that what we're believing, but that we're living it out. That we're being men and women that are going to say, above all, I'm just going to allow God's word to rule my life. By the power of the Holy Spirit, that's what he says. You see, so that's that good conscience. Good conscience. And they need one another. Strength in one is going to build strength to the other. Weakness in one will bring weakness to the other. If you have strength in faith, your conscience is going to be strong. If you have a weakness in faith, your conscience is going to be weak. And so we need to strengthen that faith and strengthen our conscience that we're living not just as we're, um, as you know, we want to live, but according to the scriptures. The whole gospel message embraces both doctrine and obedience. It's not, and it's not enough just to have good doctrine. We got to have correct living. We got to understand what it's saying and live it to our lives. Listen, Jesus came to save that which was lost. But listen, he came to bring life. Not just that, oh, I'm saved. He wants, you know, he wants us to be living unto him. We, we are now got light in our lives. We have, you know, we're the salt of the world. And we're to be this, you know, men and women that are just standing up in this dark world, making a difference. And so we're not just speaking the truth. I, I hear it all the time. You know, you get, you get guys out there, boom, boom, boom. They got it, they got it down. And then you think, wow, that's pretty good. But they don't live it out. They don't live it out. You see, it can be put like this. Does your life match what the Bible says concerning how you're to live? Does your life match? Now, we're not perfect. Every message I heard a pastor say this one time, so true. Every message that I bring is above my life. It is. And it doesn't mean I'm hypocritical. It doesn't mean he was hypocritical when he said it. But it is. Every message is above my life. It's above our lives because that's where the word of God is. But that's the goal we're traveling to. It doesn't mean we're hypocritical when we fail. We're not, we're not, we're, we don't fail and we're called hypocrites. We're just, I'm, that's, that's where I'm trying to get to. I go through these battles just like you. I'm trying to fight the good fight with faith and a good conscience. The same thing with each and every one of us. So the whole gospel message. So, you know, you know the, the question might be, you know, what, here's what Paul said. Not a question, a statement. And for, you know, are we living, the question is, are we living guilt-free? Guilt-free. Paul said, therefore, uh, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who walk in Christ Jesus or those who are in Christ Jesus who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. I mean, that's what, how we're to live our lives. But unfortunately, as pointed out in our passage, as some who chose not to live by faith in God's word, verse 19, you have, which some have rejected concerning the faith, having suffered shipwreck. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be on a ship that's going to wreck. Many years ago, before my wife and I were married, a buddy of mine, we used to fish out in the bay and go out in the San Diego. We'd go out in the ocean. He more so than I. He was an avid uh, fisherman. I was like a caster. Um, I went out with him occasionally. But I said, hey, hey honey, let's, I want to impress her. I thought, well, let's go. I know a guy has a boat. Let's go on the boat. Well, we started going out a little ways into the jetty, was on our left side, and we were going out into the bay, and all of a sudden the boat died. 
And I think, oh, this isn't good. And the battery was good. And we couldn't figure it out. And I go, this dude, this is your boat. And it's going to be mine if you don't get this thing running. But uh, we started moving towards the rocks. And it was just crazy. I was like, man, what are we doing? What are we doing? It's not, not the way I planned the day. And we couldn't get it fired up, couldn't get it fired up. And finally, finally, uh, I remembered, well, you better check the gas and make sure you burp the, you know, open it up and put a little, oh, well, it had gas, but it needed, uh, there was fuel locked. So we, <laughs> we got it fired up and I'm thinking, okay, now we can enjoy the day. And my, my wife, she wasn't my wife at the time, probably wouldn't have been my wife if I wouldn't have listened to her. But she said, uh, we're not going out there. We're going back in. <laughs> and uh, we, you know, hey, yeah, that was a good day, you know. But we were coming close to being shipwrecked or boat wrecked, you know. See, these guys didn't want to trust Hymenaeus. They didn't want to trust Alexander. They didn't want to trust the Lord. They had some other doctrine out there. That's something else that they were living up to. You see, Hymenaeus, Hymenaeus taught incorrect doctrine. He taught some things uh, that were contrary to the word con concerning uh eschatology, which is end times. Second Timothy chapter two, it says, um, but shun profane and idle babblings. Paul writing again, he says, for they will increase to more ungodliness and their message will spread like cancer. Hymenaeus and Philetus are of the sort who have strayed concerning the truth, saying that the resurrection is already past and they overthrow the faith of some. Look at they're, they're teaching bad juju. Get them out of here. That's what he says. That's what Paul's saying. He says, you know, they're, they're going to they're gonna trip people up and he need to remove them. And he, Paul said he did. And then Alexander, now this may have been this Alexander in Ephesus that was giving Paul just a hard time and he may not equip with it. We don't know for sure, but it's possible that it was, it was uh, somebody in that sort. But nonetheless, that he was pointed out and Paul pointed these guys out as being shipwrecked. You know, it's important to recognize that. They were being pointed out because they were living in this life in a self-advancement. Instead of equipping the saints for the work of the ministry. And look at what he says. Here's what's important. This is where the conduct, the conduct of the church is so important. He says he delivered such a one to Satan. It means they're excommunicated. You know what that, you know what this, is, here's the thing. Two things real quick on this. Number one, people don't care nowadays if they're kicked out of a church or if they're excommunicated from a church because they'll just go find another church. When I find out they're in another church, they've been removed from this church, I'm on the phone calling their pastor or their new pastor. I'm, on, I'm, in his, I'm in his grill. Hey, bro, you know what? You got somebody over there that's bad juju. I'll do it. I don't care. Because it's not just this church, it's the church. And just think if we only had one church in, in town. I mean, just think if there's like one church in Ephesus. Where are they, they going to run to? 700 miles the next church? <laughs> Leave on Thursday, get back on Thursday, leave again. <laughs> I mean, what are you going to do? But he says he delivered, delivered them to Satan. I mean, it was so incredible. It's so important. See, by removing those who desire to live according to the word, and, and they were teaching things and they weren't living right, it does three things. Number one, it shows the offender that the church is not going to tolerate that stuff. Look at these guys were obviously influencing others. You might be thinking this morning, I ain't never come back to this church so they catch hold of me. If you're living that way, you're teaching others to live in a rotten way, you might be pointed out. But this isn't pointing out about, we, uh, well, well, they might find out that I smoke or that, that I, I, I speed once in a while. It's not, it's not talking about that. None of us would be here. 
But, but here it's going to show the offender that, you know, the church isn't going to tolerate dangerous actions of the flesh. Number two, it's good for the church. Because the church, Paul said, a little leaven leavens a whole lump, therefore get rid of it. Because it'll spread. One bad apple spoils that old bunch. You, I mean, you got to spread. These are guys that are anti-Christ. So understand that. Anti-having faith in God. And three, the, it, it's um, good for the world. Because the world sees, man, that church means, what are you doing back in the bar, George? Why, what are you doing back in the bar? Well, well, they kicked me out of the church. How come? Because I wasn't living right. Well, they should have done that a long time ago. I could have told them that. You know what I'm saying? But the church sees that. Well, I'm not going to step in that church until I get things right. The thing is, you come to church all messed up, you get saved, and God changes you. That's what he wants to do in our lives. See, let me close with this thought. Let me close with this thought. I'm responding and upholding God's word is when he speaks to us. Number one, we can be like Noah. Noah was told to build an ark. He probably didn't know what an ark was. What's an ark? All right, well, you're going to build an ark. But he didn't argue. He just trusted God. He said, okay, you want me to build an ark? I'll build an ark. And he simply obeyed, even in the midst of all the persecution, in the midst of loss of his friendships, he just obeyed. And Noah didn't have the most productive ministry. I mean, he was ate up over Jeremiah because he had eight people in the boat, right? But his, con his concern was just being obedient to the word of God. His, his concern wasn't how many people he can get in the boat, but he, he spread the word. They were leaving, but I'm just going to be faithful to God in the midst of all that. And then, or we can be like Jonah. Jonah was one who resisted what God wanted him to do. And he ran, and guess what? Satan had an open door for him because he had a boat for him at the dock. You can run, and you'll say, oh, that was the Lord. There were so many open doors out there. And Satan's going, come on, I got another one for you. Because <laughs> he was never supposed to run, was he? But here's this thing that Jonah didn't care for the place in Nineveh where God had called him to. God was sending him there. He didn't have the joy for Nineveh. didn't care about the Ninevites. And in the midst of his rebellion, the ship was going down. And guess what? Others were going down with Jonah. You see, the rebellion didn't just cause him to suffer. Rebellion takes everybody down around you. It's sad. The third thing, we can respond in this manner. We can be like the feeble Jews in Nehemiah's day. They were attacked and attacked daily by the enemy. And they didn't have it all together. They didn't have what it could take to get the job done. But they were committed to listen and draw close to the Lord every time. During the times of the trial, they knew that they were protected. Listen, let me ask you this. Does Satan have you flustered right now? God has not given us a spirit of fear. Doesn't mean we won't fear sometimes, but that's not from the Lord. He's not giving us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. You see, the question is, if you're going through the battle this morning, who are you trusting in and where is your faith? Is your faith in God? Are you bothered by what's going on? Are you just simply, Lord, I'm laying this down at the foot of the cross? Proverbs 3, 5 as you guys all know the scripture, says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. Sometimes we want to understand things. He says, lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. Do not be wise in your own eyes for the fear or fear of the Lord and depart from evil. 
and it will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. Again, the good fight is never really a good fight, but a good fight is a fight that you'll win. And then what way that you and I win these spiritual battles is by trusting in God, not in ourselves. That we'll trust in Him, no matter what the battle is that is out there, that we're going to live according to His Word. Time in and time out. And, we, and if we make a mistake, oh man, I blew that one. We seek forgiveness. Lord, forgive me if I've hurt anybody, forgive me. And we come to this thing and say, Lord, I want to win the battle. And I want to win by trusting in you and by living out what your word says, regardless if everything is rosy or not. I just want to do it because you died for me. And the calling upon God for the Christian is to fight the good warfare. The good warfare. Fight the good fight. And we're going to be in fights. We're going to be in battles. But we've got to fight it properly. Amen? If you're here this morning and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, uh, so worship team can come up now. I want to encourage you that the, the fight that you're in right now is Satan wants you not to come forward and give your life to Jesus. It's a fight. It's a battle. Or maybe if you've walked away from him, he doesn't want you to come forward. He doesn't want you to come to Jesus. That's a fight. And you're feeling it in your hands. You're starting to sweat and you're starting to put your, you know, what am I going to do now? How am I going to get out of here? You're not. People are praying right now. They're dropping their heads and they're praying for you right now. And you got to come to know Jesus this morning. He's brought you into this place to hear that there are battles out there, but he's fought the biggest battle, and that is to forgive you of your sin and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. So let's bow our heads and close our eyes and pray, Father. We hope you've enjoyed spending this time in God's Word, and our prayer is that you'll take it with you and apply it to your life. If you'd like to learn more about Calvary Longview, visit our website at cclongview.com. While you're there, you can find more teachings, request prayer, or even find out how you can get involved with what God is doing in our city. We hope you have an amazing day. We'll see you back here next time. And remember, Jesus loves you, and so do we.